Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. You can have a seat. How are we doing this morning? All right. That's what I like to hear. Um, so I want to start things off just to bribe you. $20 bill. Pay attention today, all right? You're like, he's too cheap. He'll never give that out. And you're kind of right. So the real question you should be asking, is that really a $20 bill? Is it a genuine thing or is it fake? Because, you know, there's been a lot of uh, um, really a, a whole uh, artist form of criminals who have learned how to make fake money that looks just like or very close to the real thing and fool people and all of that, right? So much so that the FBI, uh, over the years, has a whole team that they train of agents who are to spot counterfeit money. But you know how they train them? You would think they'd put them in a room and have them study all the different ways that you can make fake money, but they don't. They put them in a room instead, and they train them by having them gaze over and over and study over and over the real thing. And because they know the real thing so well, the fake stuff, they can spot it immediately. It's empty. And you know, the reason I bring it up is because in one of the most beloved passages in scriptures we'll look at today, Paul does the same thing. It's not about money, it's something far more important. We know in Colossae, where the church was, that there was a false teaching that was threatening them. And you know, four chapters of Colossians, right? All these words of Paul, and really scholars have fought for centuries, not fought, but you know, debated what it is, because we really have hints of it, as we'll see, but we really don't know. Four chapters, Paul, and you can't get to the point. What are the false teaching? But that's because Paul doesn't worry about that, but he instead has them gaze upon the real thing. And the more you look at who Jesus really is, the false, empty promises of false teaching, you've spotted immediately. And that's what he's trying to do. Lift our eyes to who Jesus is and what he's done. And the fact is, Jesus is enough. Because false teaching, what it does is it tickles your ears, it tantalizes your senses, and it strokes your ego. You can be awesome. You can be super spiritual. You can have all of this. And if you're not looking at the genuine, real article, who Jesus is, it's so easy to succumb to that and not realize Jesus is all we need. Let's pray as we come to his word. Father, I pray that you will prepare our hearts and our minds for your truth. Lord, we're here this morning for all different kinds of reasons and with all different kinds of struggles. You know them intricately. You know them better than we do, Lord. So, Father, I pray that you'd pour your Holy Spirit of wisdom upon us. You would lift our gaze towards the Lord of all creation, just as we sang, Jesus Messiah, Lord of all. It's in your, hum- your name we humbly pray. Amen. Amen. So, hey, happy Father's Day to all of our dads here. By the way, uh, we're in Colossians 1.15, if you want to open there, if you have your Bibles or use a pew Bible. Um, but I do want to just... Encourage you to celebrate our dads today. I heard a comedian the other day say uh, he looked at a list of the most celebrated holidays, and it's like Christmas, Mother's Day, 
And Father's Day is like number 20. So he said, Arbor Day, whatever that is, is before it. So uh, celebrate our dads. I know I will. My dad's coming. Uh, he goes to his own church in the morning, and he's making a two-hour drive. He's, he's taught us many, many, many things. I remember one day he taught me both how to run and how to listen to my mother. Um, it's amazing. He could do that, right? And so he used to take me across the street to Craneville uh, Elementary School, right across the street from where we live, and it was all this open space, and he would just hit pop flies to me. Hit fly balls. He did this until he finally realized that I was not going to be ever be on the Red Sox, right? So he would make me go. I kind of wanted to go, but it would be over. I'm like, Dad, come on. I'm tired. I just want to go home. It's got to be supper time. Come on. You got to keep going. You got to keep going, right? And, and so I must have irritated him because, I mean, he just jacked one. And I went back, right, trying to flag it down with my glove. And I ran out of real estate. It went smashing right through the second grade uh, classroom uh, of Craneville School. And so I was like, uh-oh, what are we going to do here? I turn around, and my dad's already got all the equipment, and he's running towards me. And, and he's like, come on, I heard your mother. It's, it's time for dinner. we got to listen to your mother. So I learned how to run and listen to my mom. Don't tell him I told that story, okay, because he'll not be happy. And he's on his way uh, early today to um, hook up my ice maker, my new fridge. And so I need him to at least accomplish that before he hears that I told that story. Um, but no, celebrate your dad's. Certainly love mine, as I can tell. Uh, he's still got a to-do list for me. And so I'm glad he still can accomplish all that stuff that I need him to do around my house. So, um, but also, as Mike really prayed well, um, uh, it's just like Mother's Day, we like to say, it can be a really hard day uh, for some, uh, losing a father or grandfather or, or some other reason. And so I just want you to be lifted in the spirit of God and, and know that you have a heavenly father who is greater than anything you could possibly imagine. And so um, don't let today be a, a sad day for you. Be uplifted in his, his peace. He's enough. This is what we're talking about. So um, as, as we get to this passage, um, remember so far, we've, if you've been with us, Paul's greeted them and he's, he's writing from prison to a church that he's never met in Colossae. He'd heard a report. And things were really kind of, there's a lot of good things happening in that church. And, he was, and so he wrote a prayer of thanksgiving. He says, I'm thankful what God has done. And, and then he says, this is what I want you to keep doing. We saw that last week. And, 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 and now he's going to turn to what's called um, by many the hymn of Christ. And it's, it's different than any other parts of the letter. And that's why we look at it. And some believe that it was a, a early church hymn that the church would have been familiar with. And when we say hymn, not necessarily music. That's what we think of when we think of hymn. Think of more creed. Maybe they sang it. We really don't know. But it was something that, that they think it was written. And Paul adopted it and maybe changed a few things to suit his purpose in the letter. Um, others believe, yes, it was pre-written. But Paul's the one who wrote it. Others believe that this was the first time Paul wrote it. Either way, we don't know. What we know is it's a little bit different, it, and what makes it so awesome is that it's got rhythm like poetry, and it's got repetitive words. And what can happen when we enter into this, and I know because I did a lot of reading of brilliant scholars, right, who thank God they're a gift to the church, these men and women who have huge brains, but sometimes when you study it, you can start intricately looking at every phrase, every word, and you can find yourself in the weeds, right, and kind of missing the whole point is that Paul wants us, yes, to, to look at what some of these things mean, but what is he really after? And that's what I want us to see today. And, and, and so a, as we um, look at it, the first thing is that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus rules all things. And what I've done as we go through this 
is I've underlined a specific word and circled specific phrases. Because I want you to see as we look at this, the, the repetition and what, the, what I think Paul is trying to get us to see over and over and over again. And we under, I've underlined every time you see the word all. It's like all things, all things, all things. You see it over and over again. And I've circled any time you see by him or for him or through him. Over and over again, all things, by him, for him, through him. And so as you see that, I think that just comes to the, the, the cream just rises to the top. And you see, this is what Paul wants us to see. He is king. He's ruler of all things. Don't limit who Jesus is. And so let's look at the, the beginning of it, verse 15. Paul says, he, meaning, of course, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. All creation, right? So he's the, he, he's the image of the invisible God, which just means he came in flesh so he could actually see in physical form, but he possesses all of the attributes of God. He is God. There's a triune Godhead, right? And he is God the Son. And, and, and so when you see firstborn of all creation, he's not um, meaning, because some over the generations have said, see, Paul says Jesus wasn't uh, pre-existent, he, he was born. And it's like, if you just read the next sentence, you realize there is no way that's what Paul is saying here. That word can mean time, the firstborn, like in your family, but it often means priority. Like you see in scriptures that Israel is the firstborn of God. Like obviously, Israel can't be in, in time, but in priority. And so he is the chosen, the priority of all creation. And here's what I mean as he goes further. There's no way that, that he was, that Paul ever meant that, that there was a time Jesus didn't exist. So you can just read what he said. He said, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Like you just can't get, what, like, like he just covers everything there. All things, all of creation. He's the agent of creation through him. And he's the point of creation for him. And, and, he's, and he's covering everything, whether it's invisible, whether it's visible, the spiritual realm, the heavenly realm, all of the universe. And then he gives four words that are just, uh, when he says thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, those are words that they would have understood. He's talking about angels. And there was a fascination at that time, there still is, isn't there, about angels. Like, what are they? There's this amazing fascination. And we think, because of another point in the letter, that the false teachers were trying to present something that angels do for you. That, that you need some kind of mediation for, from an angel to get you closer to God or to get you more fulfilled spiritually. And you see that teaching still today. Not just in angel form, but all kinds of different things, right? You've seen you need to pray to saints. You need to pray to his mother Mary. You need, uh, you remember, I don't know if this is a number of years ago, remember the Bible code? You need to crack this code and, and you, will, you will have secret knowledge. And this is something that, that is always trying to tantalize us. You can be better spiritually. You can be more fulfilled. You can have all of this if you do what? And Paul's whole point is all of these things, including angels, are part of his creation. So yes, angels are awesome, but why would you want the angel when you can have Jesus? Right? Jesus is the point. The Gospel of, of John, if you think this is just from Paul, John wrote this in his very beginning um, of chapter 1, verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him 
was not anything made that was made. You see? So this is who Jesus is. So if you can imagine, why is Paul letting us gaze upon this? And so so we, we don't get tantalized and say, oh, I, I need this. No, no, no. You need more of Jesus. You need more of the good news of the gospel. You need to understand he's enough. Why? Because he's the Lord of everything, the ruler of all creation, and the point of all creation. He continues in verse 17. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. So he's God incarnate, right? He's pre-existent. He's always been, and yet he did take on flesh, as we'll see. For a purpose, he entered into his very creation, which is mind-boggling in its humility for him to become one of us to save us. But first, Paul wants us to lift our eyes. He says, he says not only is he before all things, all things hold together. That means that everything in the universe, think about this, is held together because of Christ, like, that's amazing. That, that, that the whole, you think about the universe and the heavenly realms and everything that we see without Christ, it crumbles. Like, once you realize that, that's not just, you know, we love to, and I'm not saying we necessarily, but people in general just love to limit Jesus to, to sort of a, a feathery hair, you know, wearing sandals and giving the peace sign. And, you know, oh, he, he, you know, isn't he nice and, and, and friendly? And he certainly was nice and friendly, but he's so much bigger than that. He's literally God the creator, right? The Father created through him. He was there, and he's the point. And so you can what? Trust him. That's Paul's point. You can trust him. And so he's kind of been at the cosmic level with that. You know, I was reading an article that just kind of popped up on my phone about this, like, huge mega uh, star, which is so much bigger than our own sun, and they're trying to figure out why it seemed to be dimming. Um, and there was all these theories, and I just kind of got roped into reading this article. And then I just got thinking because of studying this, like, that is being held together because of Christ, so many millions of uh, light years away, gigantic and dwarfs everything in our own solar system, and it's all for the glory of God. So if that's who Jesus is, why can't we trust him? Why would we ever think he's not enough if that's who Jesus is? If only Jesus was some guy who lived for a few years a long, long time ago and did some moral teaching, sure, that's not enough. But this Jesus, he's enough. So he goes from cosmic level as ruler of all things, down to our level. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Let me pause there. Paul loved, um, he, he, he loved to uh, use the analogy of the body when talking about the church. And that's so if you're a Christian, you're part of the church. Yes, there's local churches like we are here, right? And we manifest that way. But the church is like every believer, past, present, future. We are spiritually put into this body of Christ. But he says, he is the head. So help me out. Josh, stand up for a sec. All right. I have you stand up and commit before I pull out my axe. Okay, come here. (laughs) If you've ever seen me with this thing, you should be worried. Okay, just face everyone. It's okay. All right, so Josh uh, has a body, right? And so if you think about the body of Christ, and Paul's used that, you have fingers and toes, and, and uh, um, you either have a tan or you have a nice shade of red going on. Introvert. I love picking on introverts. Okay, right? So you have all these, and, and they work together, right? And, and yet, imagine if I took this axe and I chopped off a finger or did a Peter thing and sliced off his ear. Some of you are like, man, I'm waking up now. We're going to have to call on 911. 
right? Now, that would be horrible and hurtful for sure, and I'd probably be arrested. Not probably. I would be arrested. Um, and it'd be on camera, so it would be a lot of evidence against me, right? And, and so if I did that, it would hurt the body. But imagine if I lopped off his head. What happens then? That's a whole different thing. And so the point is, right, why don't you go sit down before I hurt you? All right, let's hear it for Josh, huh? I haven't, I haven't been able to use a volunteer in like two years, so I'm excited about that, you know? Uh, and, and, but the point is, is Jesus is the head of the church. So we're all part of this body. We have gifts and talents and abilities and, and that God's given us, yeah, and, and a purpose. But everything is because of the head. It informs everything that we do, and that's Jesus. He is the ruler of the church, which is very important because these false teachers were probably saying, no, 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 let us show you what you need. He's like, no, 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 Jesus is our head. He's our king. He is the ruler. Jesus rules all Things. Actually, let me back up because I missed that one sentence that I wanted to just kind of wrap this one part up. That in everything, I underline that even though it's not the word all, same thing, right? Everything, he might be preeminent, right? He's the head. He's the ruler. He's the king of everything. He's first. He's best. There's nothing you need outside of him. This... Um, Something I was thinking about at about 4 o'clock this morning. Anyone else wake up and that's when, like, the enemy attacks? Go ahead, raise your hand. Okay. Some of you kids are like, I sleep soundly. Yeah, because your parents are paying the bills. Of course you are, right? But, but no, some of you might, might as well. And that's, to me, when I'll, I'll wake up and I just know it and I just get so angry because I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be able to go back to sleep because like, anything that I'm just mildly worried about or maybe not even worried about and waking, walking around, it's like, boom, right? It's you're not enough and this is going to happen and this is going to be messed up and this, right? And it was, this happened to me just last night or this morning. And, and I was like, I, you know, use the bathroom and I'm going back to bed and then it's like, it's clear as day. It was like the Lord just said, what are you preaching? Am I enough? And it was like this peace just came up over me. I was like, yeah. And it just started putting all these things I'm talking to you about right now through my head. Jesus is enough. And it was like, I just have this smile on my face. It's like, you can't touch me, Satan. You can't touch me. Yeah, I'm a failure. I'm a screw up. I, I, I don't do this or, or that. But Jesus is enough for me. He rules all things. He's consist. Everything is, is held together by him. And he's my Lord. He's my king. He's my savior. What do you got? Nothing. Right? That's why Paul would say that, that, that to live is Christ, but kill me. Gain. Right? Doesn't matter what you do to me because he is Lord. That's why we don't get tantalized by false teachers or by even things of the world that try to grab our attention. That Jesus rules all things. Now, as he kind of gets to the close or the crescendo of his, of his hymn, he also reconciles all things. He rules all things. He reconciles all things. Watch. Verse 19. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So again, all the attributes of God, his holiness, his love, his mercy, his power, his authority, all the attributes of God dwell in Jesus Right? So, of course, he's enough. But So, so when you trans, transition that to verse 20, right? it says, And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Making peace by the blood of 
the cross. And so he's not only ruler of all things, but he, he, he's the point of creation, agent of creation, but he entered into creation to reconcile. And so what Paul doesn't say, but he says in many other places, as does plenty of other scriptures, is that something is ruptured, right? Like, like you had something that was held together, was good. Creation is what he's talking about here, and it got ruptured, right? It was good and together, and it was ruptured. What ruptured it? Sin. And I think it's really interesting that, that Paul um, starts with creation, because we're, we're probably thinking, because we're used to immediately thinking sin ruptured us, and it did, and he's going to get to that in the next verse. But he starts with, actually, though, sin messed everything up. Yes, we look at the cosmic, uh, the universe, and we look at all around us, and there is still so much of the residue of the good of creation, but it's ruptured. It's broken up. Things die, decay, explode. Things just aren't right, and you know it. We know it. We do. The animals and everything, like everything's at enmity with God and with one another because of sin. And so Paul said he entered creation, the, the agent of creation, right, enters creation and by the blood of the cross takes that rupture and makes it good again. So all of creation, all of creation. So um, it, it's, you're like, well, it hasn't happened yet. It's that already not yet. He's already won the victory. And so now we wait. Come, Lord Jesus, come. When he returns, he's not just coming to claim you, and, and, and he is, but, but he's actually going to make everything right again. And that is going to be incredible. It's so hard for us to imagine the world and the universe the way it was originally designed before sin blew it up. But one uh, person, the, the, it was um, qualified to reconcile all of creation. That's Jesus. Nothing else. No other system, no angel, no saint, no nothing. No pastor, no priest, no good moral human being. Nobody, no philosophy can reconcile what's been blown up by sin. Only God himself taking on flesh and by the blood of his cross. And so if that's the case, right, he then turns to us. So the hymn is over at this point, but he now he applies it. And he goes first person on us. And you. He's pointing to me too. And he's pointing to himself. Paul loves to say once but now. You'll notice that in some of his letters. You once but now. To show that change. And he does that here in verse 21. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. Every one of us because of sin we were ruptured too. Our relationship with God was ruptured. We were a mess. We were without God and his hope because of our sin. We've, 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 we're alienated. This isn't just doing pretty good and need a little help. No, no, no. This is alienated. This is broken up. But he has now. You once were, but now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Think about that. The blood of the cross, it reconciles all of creation, but his body given for you, dying in your place, taking all the wrath of, of, of God because of your sin. He took it all. He paid it in full. Because of that, when you trust in Christ and you're a Christian, you've been reconciled to God for all of eternity. 
And I know if you're a Christian a long time, you're like, it's easy to take that for granted. Don't. Understand what he's done for you. And, and it says, I love how this phrase, he presents you. That's a legal term, to present to the judge evidence, right? So Jesus literally is able to present you, Christian, before the judgment, right? And we'll all be, ha- face that judgment, right? You're presented as holy, blameless, and above reproach. Like me? How's that even possible? Because he's reconciled you. Think about the, the enemy. As I said, Satan literally means accuser. And so think about all the things that can come at the judgment seat. Oh, he, 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 uh, he was a liar. She was a prostitute. He had an affair. She was selfish with her money. He was a drug addict. She was an alcoholic. He was, uh, beat people with his fists. She hurt people with her words. All over and over again. Think about the accusations that could come into your life when you face judgment. That he could say, and you would just be like, I, I got no defense. I, I wish I could hide it, but I did all those things. The record of wrongs and hurts and hostility that has happened in your life. Think about what the accuser could say. And yet Paul says, no, 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 no. No, no, no. Jesus, when he says, Jamie did this. No, no. Paid in full. Reconciled. Holy. Blameless. Above reproach. What do you mean above reproach? Don't you remember when? No, no, no. Paid in full. I've reconciled. The blood, the body given for him. Reconciled to God for all of eternity. That Jesus did that for you. If you've trusted in him, if you haven't trusted in him, you are invited into that relationship. You don't need to go to church a certain amount of time. You don't need to read a certain amount of Bible passages. You don't need to avoid certain movies right away. What you need to do is give your life to this King of kings and Lord of lords who died for you to be reconciled to God for all of eternity. You are invited to this. This God is enough for you. He's enough for you. Whatever you might have done, This cross paid it in full, and there's no other way given to be saved and to be reconciled to God. That is what he did. Jesus reconciles all things. Why would we pursue anyone or anything else? Why? And so we land with this as we began. Jesus is all we need. Let me give you that last um, verse, at least for today, and he's, and he's really continuing um, the, the sentence here. I broke it up. He didn't, right? He said, he's presented you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed. So now you got to do something. He, did it, he paid it all. He paid it in full, but we got to do something. What do we got to do? Continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister, which is going to move into next week's where Paul talks about his own ministry. right? But, but first, he's saying, we have a job to do. And, and there's these false teachings that they're dealing with, and there's all kinds of allures for us that we're dealing with that are tickling our ears and trying to tantalize our senses and trying to pull us away and, and show, show, no, 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 this is the real thing over here. More money, better career, better sex, better relationship, a new marriage, a new boyfriend, uh, 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 you know, whatever it is in a spiritual, if you need angels, you need this, you need that, you need this book, or you need to be filled here, filled there. Paul's like, enough of that. Jesus, in the hope of his gospel, is enough. Stay in it. 
So I, just to kind of close this off, I got my table again today. I'm not going to bring it all the way up. Hopefully you can see this. And so, because he's using two words here that, that um, in English don't really translate great. And it's right in the second line, stable and steadfast. Those are building terms. Anyone build or have built houses here? I know we have a few. Okay. So you would really know, right? Like, like how you build that and the foundation you build that house or whatever you're building, it's critical. You can make it look pretty for a while, but it's going to come down. Jesus talked about, you know, building it on sand or on rock, but I didn't want to make a mess. Poor Elaine's had to clean up after me, so I decided to use this instead. And so what we have, right, is... Um, Two surfaces. And the first is a cardboard box. But it looks good in the surface. This, when you look in the surface and you begin to build, and it says, okay, it's about the same. Feels good. But then you start building on this. right? And it looks the same until what? Until it all just kind of crumbles. Because this isn't steady. This isn't a foundation. And Yet I can pile up as many bricks and, and keep going and going and going and going. Because why? This, I'll hurt my hand if I try to punch this. And all Paul is trying to tell us is what are you, or ask us really, is what are you going to build your life on? Because this might look good, right? All money or this religion or this, you know, but, but it's going to crumble. Colossian Church, Cornerstone Church, it's going to crumble. But if you build your life on the gospel, and that means the creator who entered into creation for you, he is the Lord. He becomes the Lord, and the gospel becomes everything to your marriage. I had a wedding yesterday, and I, every single wedding, I say, the center of your marriage is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't ever forget it. And trust me, I've told them 10,000 times in premarital counseling, so they're used to it. But one last time. Because if you understand the forgiveness of Christ and can forgive each other that way, if you understand how much Christ loved you, what he did for you, and you can do that for each other, right? And the gospel becomes the basis for your marriage, it will flourish. If the gospel becomes the basis of your home, your career, your ministry, your school, your campus, your whatever those circles that you are in, the gospel will just continue to thrive. That he is Lord. And the idea that Paul's trying to say is, man, this stuff, is, it's a copy and it's a fake and it's pathetic. But I think what happens is for, for us is we get so easily bored and we forget that Jesus is all we need. We get so easily bored of, of who Jesus is and it just becomes kind of religion and yeah, it's kind of good, it's hell insurance. And we're missing who he is. This creator, this agent of all creation, we're missing it. And that's what Paul invites us into. Now, I, I met this couple, um, Patrick and Joanne. They're not here, so don't look around. And they, and they said, hey, uh, we're going to Hawaii for three weeks. And I was so jealous I wanted to hit them. No, I didn't want to hit them, but I was like, oh, so I want to go to Hawaii. And, and, and I'm like, well, just man, have a great time. Have an amazing, amazing time. And make sure you take lots of pictures, you know. That might be the only Hawaii I ever see. And so take a lot of pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll tell you all about it. So, so a few weeks go by, whatever, I bump into them again. I'm like, oh, man, how was Hawaii? And Patrick and Joan were like, eh, this is all right. There's 
seems like there's probably better places to go. And I'm like, well, maybe a few, but really? Well, I'm like, well, then let, let, let me, did you take pictures? Yeah, yeah, we took lots of pictures. And I'm like, all right, well, well show me. And so, so Joanne, uh, Joan pulled out her, her phone and she started, you know, flipping through it. And she says, here's a picture of our hotel bathroom. She said, it was okay. It had a whirlpool, but one of the, the, the sinks leaked. And I was like, okay. And then here's a picture of our kitchenette, which was okay for a few days, but the fridge was way too small. Here's a picture of our living room. And, I mean, it was okay as well, but our, our one at home is bigger than this. I don't really know what is the big deal about Hawaii. And I'm like, if you can't tell, they're fake people so far, because who would ever do that? <laughs> You're like, what is wrong with these people? But I wanted you to picture it, right? How stupid that would be. But, but they're like, well, we went to Hawaii. Yeah, but you never left your hotel room. You didn't go hiking. You didn't go to the beach. You didn't go snorkeling or scuba diving or exploring of the volcano stuff and all, you know, the amazing stuff that Hawaii. You didn't do any of that. That's why you don't think Hawaii is all that awesome because you stayed in the stupid hotel room that you could get anywhere else, right? And, and that's what I think we do with Jesus. It's like, if, you, if your picture of the gospel and Jesus is me yelling at you on Sunday and you reading your Bible every once in a while, you're missing the point, is you are allowed to go deeper into the Lord Jesus, his word, his truth, his relationship. And he will fix so many things. He will flourish so many things, not in ways you're expecting, but in ways that are much better because they're his ways. And you can... You can follow him, and it doesn't seem, man, these things still seem better. But I'm telling you, the more we say more of you, Jesus, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, and then he becomes Lord over your struggle. He becomes Lord over your pain. He becomes Lord over your grief. He becomes the comfort you never thought you could imagine. He becomes the peace that surpasses all understanding. He becomes a praise even in the face of hardship. And ultimately, the creator himself wants a relationship with you. Why wouldn't we take that and run? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that that declaration would be on our lips even right now. You are all we need. Lord, I pray that just right now for those who have trusted in Christ that are in this room that you'd give us a sense of awe of who you are and what you've done. The agent of creation, the point of creation. You came into your own creation to die on a cross so that we might be reconciled to you. Give us a sense of worship. Lord, I pray for anyone who's not a Christian in the room. You're inviting them into relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Whatever is in their way, they think they've sinned too much or the tantalizing prospects of empty promises of this world. Oh God, would you help them? Would you remove the scales from their eyes that they might see who you are? and put their faith in Christ, even right now as I pray, that they would see, wow, the creator God wants a relationship with me, that there's nothing they need to do because it's already been done, and that they might be steadfast.
and belief in you. Lastly, God, I pray for Christians here, me included. Let us be in the spirit of confession that of the things in the world or even spiritual things that we were putting our hope in rather than you. We might repent of those and just make a declaration today. Jesus, you are enough. You're all we need. Your gospel. We want more of you. We want more of you. We want to know you better. We want to follow you more fully. I pray for our students that they would follow you on their schools and on their campuses. I, I pray for our elderly that they might follow you at, at the senior center or in, in, wherever they might be in their friends and family and with their grandkids and everywhere in between that our marriages might be looking for the gospel to be the center. That our singles would say the gospel is the center of my life. Give us the strength and the will to be steadfast and to build our life on you. It's for your praise and your glory. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Let's stand and sing together.